Yeah, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to episode 13 of Eastern Conference Confidential. Uh, part of the, the Beautiful Game Network of Podcast. Uh, it's your first, uh, your favorite, the first, and the only podcast covering just the Eastern Conference. That's the one that doesn't have Didier Drogba maybe in it, um, which is unfortunate. Uh, I'm your host, as always, uh, Evan Valella, joined by Ryan Allen and Brendan Doherty. How are you guys doing? Doing well. Yeah, I'm doing pretty good. I good. think I caught Brendan, most I don't really of the, the games care in the Eastern Conference because we're mortal week. enemies right now. But yeah, no, <laughs> I, I watched a bunch of them too. I think between the two of us, we had absolutely nothing going on. So yeah, I mean, uh, honestly, the best and the worst team in the East haven't played yet, so it wasn't <laughs> that exciting this past week. It's true. Um. Anyway, that being said, um. I, let's, I guess we'll talk about some some just kind of auxiliary player signing news, and then we'll get on to on to last week, and then we'll uh, we'll go to this next week. Um, so the the big news coming out today on the Eastern Conference side of things is uh, Justin Hoyt signing with Cincinnati. Um, he's been touted as like ex Arsenal, um, which is is true because like he he played there and it happened, but it's really not a thing that's worth noting, I don't think, in 2017. It's been nearly a decade since he played for Arsenal. Right. Yeah, and they're a sixth-place club, not even in Champions League yet. Yeah, I just, I'm going to point out, I'm sorry, I should have pointed out before I, I opened that one up <laughs> for the board that uh, I did just ask two Tottenham fans how they felt about someone playing for Arsenal um, <laughs> at any stage of their career, and that was probably a terrible idea. Um, uh... That being said, yeah, I mean, I have yep. some some mild criticisms of the signing that have nothing sure. to do with you know North London allegiances. Um, so he's <laughs> had 13 seasons as a professional, and it only in five seasons has did he start 20 or more games. So he's not really been a dependable player throughout his career. Um, I mean, he also he's been out of a club since the end of last you know, season in England. So that was about June. Um, so he didn't catch on with the team in August when the England season was starting and didn't catch on with the team in the January transfer window. Um, it's a little bit weird if he couldn't find any team in England to take him, um, why he would be <laughs> going to Cincinnati now. Um, this, I don't know, I don't really want to call it, but this looks a lot like a Carlton Cole signing, um, a player who wasn't really prepared for what he was signing up for. Um, and... I mean, this guy on social media, he, he, I think he tweeted out that he was on his way to Paris to catch a flight yes. to go to the, the U.S. So this guy's not even in Cincinnati. So I don't know if they, the team signed him without seeing him train. <laughs> That's, um... Yeah. Um, Going off of team name, history alone. Yeah. Because, yeah. I mean, the, the team, the last team that this guy played for was in League Two, which is the English fourth division, and they, they were awful, and they got relegated out of, like, technically out of professional football in England. Well, so, I mean, I literally out of, yeah. Yeah. So, <laughs> I don't know if this is really the guy that you want to be hyping up. Um, I don't know, maybe he'll be yeah, lights I... out and defender of the year, but... I mean, I... I mean, I think hyping him up like that instead of just saying it's another, you know, signing right. after preseason. Here's another guy. Uh, I think that does him a disservice because, 
you know, it's linking him with the name Arsenal, it raises expectations from fans. Maybe mm. it, it jades teammates a little bit if this guy's well, getting all the attention and he's not even <laughs> winning tackles and training or something. Sets sure. the bar a bit high. But it yeah, does. I mean, that could all yeah. be premature. Uh, but. Maybe. But the other thing, too, I think if you look at it and you just go, all right, you know, he... I, he was last linked to, I think it was, uh, like, Hearts or, or something in Scotland. Um, I, I think had him for a trial, and he was bouncing around a couple clubs on trial. None of them in the States, I don't, I don't think. Um, so, you know, not only is it, oh, you know, has Cincinnati actually seen him, uh, but it kind of also feels a little bit like they're just using it to pop the Arsenal fans in the area and get attendance numbers up, which if you're Cincinnati, that's like the last thing that you need right now. Yeah, yeah I mean, like your attendance is fine. Yeah. They sell out nearly every match. Right. right. You don't yeah. you don't need to resort yeah. to gimmicks to trick people into coming to your games right. when they actually want to come. And and then the the other part of that is all this offseason, you said we're making the playoffs and we're going to actually advance in the playoffs. Um, does a 32-year-old guy who hasn't played in... I'm a hypocrite. I know. I know. The union just signed a 34-year-old who hasn't played in a year and a half. Uh, but that being said, Aguchi Onyewu was in training with the team. And Ernie Stewart said, you have to get to, to this level of fitness and blah, blah, blah. And, like, you know, and, and then the Josh Yarrow was hurt, so that you know, open the door a little bit. Um, does a 32-year-old help a team who has USL Cup ambitions? As a player, probably not. Maybe as a locker room guy, but I don't see how you know that if you haven't seen him play and he hasn't interacted with a bunch of your guys. Yeah. And, I mean, he's only started, what is it, 20, 20, 28 games in the last two and a half years, three years across four seasons it's um, not even a full USL season right I mean no, yeah. USL season is grueling for everybody um, you know a lot of rookies can't handle it um, you know past the middle of the summer it's a huge mm-hmm. adjustment from the college season it's also a huge adjustment from not playing regularly right <laughs> so it's also it's, a physical league yeah and it, not uh, that the lower tiers of England aren't but I mean and this isn't this isn't last year. We don't have five subs anymore, so it's not right. like you can yeah. burn a sub on a defender who's just <laughs> yeah. can't have it getting anymore. torched but. by Deshaun Brown every week or something. Now I'm I'm actually more excited to watch FC Cincinnati games. <laughs> kind of yeah, in a way, in like a in like a we're both f- fans of Schadenfreude sort of thing. <laughs> um, elsewhere. Uh, it's a good it's a good segue because Cincinnati loaned Casey Townsend to the Charlotte Independence. Um, Ryan, I I think you're familiar. Yeah, I recognize him during the 2016 season. He signed I I want to say from OKC halfway through the year with Wilmington and made 12 appearances, scoring two goals before he was right before our Cincinnati match down here. Or they traded him to Cincinnati, so he played against us for that match. But it's a solid signing, and he's just headed back to the Carolinas for a club that'll probably have a lot more playing time than Cincinnati, which seems to have a pretty loaded roster. 
Yeah, a, a very loaded and very set roster, um, and a very top-heavy roster, mm-hmm. um, which I know is was part of uh, their concerns was that they needed more defensemen. Again, I don't think that justifies buying a 32-year-old, but what do I know? Uh, Charlotte also making a couple moves. They signed Jacob Bender, who played for Messiah, uh, who was the Division Three Player of the Year, um, and then Dennis Castillo, who is making his uh, his second stint on loan from the uh, Colorado Rapids, which is their MLS affiliate. Um Again, I, I don't think we talk about Charlotte enough on this podcast. I feel like they're one of the teams that kind of just gets uh, brushed to the side because they don't make a lot of noise, really, in terms of in, in terms of both results and in terms of player signings. Um, um, but I think yeah. when they do things, they get it, they get it right. Yeah, I think the last time we talked about them was possibly when their owner threatened to take his his ball and go home and get the stadium deal he wanted <laughs> that's but, right um i will say that on, on player development side um colorado rapids so far this season have really benefited they've reaped the benefits of their partnership with charlotte um, yes i think both guys mm-hmm. dominic baji and the other guy <laughs> who's been good for them up top um i mean they both got yeah. some some key minutes in in charlotte and sending castillo mm-hmm down who's a guy that they have um eyes for in the future um send him down for a second stint when he knows um some of the players he knows the the system um that could be really beneficial yeah which other usl and mls partnerships um perhaps are not quite as productive yeah i mean i would point to colorado charlotte being up there with one of the best affiliation deals between two clubs within the league i possibly one of the best in the eastern conference so there's that and then you factor in the distance between the two clubs um and that's where that really in my mind starts to get impressive because i think there's teams that function better as affiliates uh but Mm -hmm. when they do it's mostly because they're literally um owned by the same team and within two hours of you know each other mm-hmm. um yeah the but in terms of that too yeah yeah and then i was i was really thinking of red bull and and i think bethlehem and, and philly have a pretty good uh understanding I mean, of each other geographic sense i thought colorado springs would have been a perfect or affiliate <laughs> for the rapids but it, it, it would have been benefits yeah, yeah uh story story goes the the uh there's a there's a bunch of people in the Rapids front office that worked with a bunch of people who are currently in the Charlotte Independence front office when they all worked together for the Bobcats, um, and that's kind of how that one started out. I don't know if that's true or not, but that's that's what I heard, and no that one told me like that it's uh, like a promotional brochure for LinkedIn or something. It is, yeah. They all met on LinkedIn. Uh, no, but uh, that's the story that I heard. No one's told me that I'm wrong. If I am wrong, please tell me. I'll stop talking about it. Just a, a quick point on the on the distance between the teams. I think that's sure. actually beneficial because both teams go into negotiations knowing that distance is an issue. It's not like distance it yeah. is an issue for the MLS side and not the USL side. Right. Um, so, I mean, it makes the, the negotiations clearer. And you know we're not going to overnight a guy on Friday and expect him to start on Saturday. Um, yeah. So I think that, that makes the negotiations go smoother and then there's less chance for, you know, petty individual grudges to get in the way of of player development 
sure. Mm-hmm. Um, that being said, uh, I I think we'll just move on to the uh, the week that was the the first week uh, in USL for the Eastern Conference as well as the Western Conference, but we're it's not bad. too uh, bothered by that one. It is back. We're back, baby. And uh, oh boy, did we start off with a whimper? I suppose. <laughs> um, the first game was uh, was Louisville at St. Louis, or at least the first one that I decided to watch, which was a mistake. Neil Nil draw. Oh yeah, everyone's favorite. Twenty six shots in total, twenty one of them for Louisville, and they could not find the net. Uh, <laughs> six of those shots on target. Um, five from outside the box, though. But uh, man, to to get to get two teams to put together twenty six shots means that their defenses are terrible, but so are their offenses. So it's okay. Yeah, I mean, I would put Louisville up there with another club we'll talk on later as team that should have scored more goals than shots indicated. It yes, definitely yeah. seemed like they had the upper hand on offense at the same time. And same thing with St. Louis; they did a lot of fouling out throughout the entire match, which was the most of any team in the East with 19. And Brennan, you also appreciate this with St. Louis. Uh, Christian Velasquez, even though he started on the right side of the field, he had an average position of being on the left side. <laughs> and so I'm guessing it'll take a while before uh, Parecki installs his offensive mentality in St. Louis. Um, yeah, I mean, this was a much worse result for Louisville. I mean, I don't know what they were expecting when they lose their top center forward and just decide yep. not to mm-hmm. replace him. Um, Cameron Lancaster, yep. former Tottenham Youth product, um, he's been there for a couple of years, and maybe they thought he was ready. Um, in this game, he was not ready. <laughs> but, I don't know. They have enough pieces there. They should They should be able to get this result. This should have been in the bag for them. But... It was a strong defensive effort from St. Louis. Um, yeah, I, uh, I'll, I'll compound. Uh, we uh, last week, if you if you listen to episode twelve, uh, you would know this. If you didn't, I got you covered. Don't worry. Uh, we we did predictions as uh, as soccer podcast and I think soccer pundits in general are wont to do. Um, I won't give everything away just yet. However, we had this game. Uh, I said it was going to be 3-2 to St. Louis. Ryan had a 2-2 draw. Brendan had a 3-3 draw. We were uh, way off. Um, that being said, I will, I will talk about the points because I have, uh, I have in, in, uh, I've put them into play now that I've figured out what I wanted to do with them because last week I wasn't terribly sure. So the way it works... If you get the result and the goals right, three points. You get a win. If you get the result right, but not the goals, so, like, if you put there was going to be a 2-2 draw between Louisville City and and St. Louis, or if you put there was a 3-3 draw between Louisville City and St. Louis, (laughs) you get one point because I'm still kind of impressed that you're able to figure out the result. Uh, If you get neither goal result or result, uh, then you get nothing. Um, I guess I will just say that Ryan, you have four points. Brendan, you have two points, and cool. I total. Oh, I nice. have no. I have nothing. <laughs> I have absolutely nothing. Uh, wow. yeah. So uh, so we'll as we're running down these games, I will uh, 
rattle off who who did what, what our predictions were. Uh, the next game, which I I think I think was the best game of the week in the league. Yeah, uh, easily. The pit, the easily the and so much better than the first one. Uh, Pittsburgh three, <laughs> New York Red Bulls two three. Not that they're New York Red Bulls five. That's how many goals they scored. <laughs> three. Um, yeah, I, I. Who wants to start talking about this? Because I think this could be a, a half hour by itself. Yeah, I mean, Corey Herzog had a just brilliant day, a goal in the ninth and 81st, and partnered with a Kevin Kerr goal for Pittsburgh. And then on the other side, you had Florian Vailot with the first goal at the Eastern Conference this year. I mean, the first one didn't provide it. And then <laughs> Vincent Betzencourt had one in the 16th and 76th. So, and even throughout all the other stats, they both had 14 shots and possession was nearly even. This was about as close of a match this weekend as we could get. Yeah. Yeah, it was definitely super fun to watch. It was it was wide open. I don't think either defense really played particularly well. Um, but no. sometimes <laughs> that can give us the, the most fun games. Um, right. Pittsburgh... Um, <laughs> You can, if you look on their the average positions for their for their players, you can tell. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, also knowing the players, you know that their fullbacks are bombing forward. That's what Taylor Washington does apparently, and uh, a Rich Balchin <laughs> on the other side um, also gets forward on the on the right hand side. But that leaves the center back exposed um, and just very vulnerable in the counter attack. So Pittsburgh put together like several times, put together five six passes in the attacking half. Um, passes with purpose and um, it was really fun soccer to watch but they're so vulnerable on the counter attack and I mean defense was kind of an issue for them last year um, they brought in entirely new back four and goalkeeper I think um, yep. yeah, yeah. so mm-hmm. I think they, they obviously identified a problem um, but I mean, you need chemistry in a back four um, but I think the way that the fullbacks are playing now you're it kind of forces one of the two central midfielders to drop deep. And, I mean, Stephen Okai is, is, is good, but that's asking a lot out of him. Um, so, I don't know. There, there's definitely room for improvement. Um, hopefully communication in their back line improves. But, man, it's fun to watch. Well, so, um, I guess I guess two things, and they're, and they're a little bit related. Um, in defense of the Pittsburgh back line, uh, you will not play Florian Velo and uh, Vincent Bezicourt. Oh, Velo. My bad. Every... It's okay. He's French. The fr- <laughs> you, you won't play the French connection every week. Um, <laughs> those two guys are incredibly fun to watch and incredibly deadly anywhere near the goal. Um, that being said, uh, to turn on everything I just said, 16 fouls, five yellow cards. Uh, again, the yellow cards, eh, you know, like, um, okay, maybe that's referee, referee kind of thing. You know, that's not going to be consistently every game you get five. I know there's teams that like to play within a certain number of fouls each week, but I think 16 is a little high. Um, Second in the East. Yeah. Um, lead, they lead the league in yellows now with, with five. Uh, they they love that color, apparently. Um <laughs> But that's a thing that, you know, if one of your back line guys gets five yellow cards, he's out for the next game. Um, and then what do you do? You know, it, so I think, yeah, okay, they got, you know, 
torn up by a, a pretty effective Red Bull to attack and probably only got a draw because Corey Herzog put in a, a player of the week performance um, and oh, probably yeah. scored uh, maybe like a, a super way too early candidate for goal of the year. Um, but an absolutely beautiful uh, uh, play. Um, I mean, it was also yeah, made no, I, by the fact that the Riverhounds had an intern with a cell phone standing right there when Herzog was running up the line. So yeah. they got mm-hmm. that real nice. Um, Good angles. But um, I think it's it's interesting that Red Bulls only had, I think, three players on the bench. Yes. Yeah, 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 they only they brought with only three people. subs. Yeah, so, I mean, that's kind of understandable. The first team has a bunch of injuries, and maybe they name some academy players. You can only have five on the roster, at, active roster at any one time. I don't. I, I didn't count how many academy players they had, but it'd be understandable if one of them picked up an injury. So then you just you can't put you don't have anybody else available on your registered roster to to, to put on the bench. Yeah. But also, that the goals for Red Bulls came from two guys who were on USL professional contracts who didn't come through the system. So mm-hmm. even if they mm-hmm. tear up USL Eastern Conference this year. Um, teams, you know, planning ahead know that they don't really have to worry about them for the 2018 season because these guys get two years um, tops, usually just yeah. one year, to prove if they're going to be able to, to, to perform at the MLS level. So, um, Our predictions for, for this one, um, where are they? There we go. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's funny. I, uh, I said 1-0 Pittsburgh. Ryan said 2-0 Pittsburgh. Brendan said 2-1 Pittsburgh. So we were all uh, way off the mark oh, on God. that one. Didn't yeah. I say Corey Herzog would get a brace, though? I I think so, yeah. <laughs> I, uh, he did. I can't really. The rules have already been put in the place by an independent arbitrator who will no longer arbitrarily put together rules. Um <laughs> Anyway, uh, next, Richmond and Harrisburg, which was a, a bit of a, uh, a filler match. Uh, Connor Shinovsky, 51st minute, got it for Richmond. Um, Harrisburg led in shots, only two on target, though. I, this is just kind of like a, a usual Richmond-Harrisburg kind of game, right? I mean, the, the goal came from service in the right channel um Shinovsky was just like unmarked he just like walked up <laughs> and headed in yeah, for yeah. <laughs> yeah. so I'm gonna take this now <laughs> I mean the the fact that Harrisburg didn't let in shots on goal I mean they, they tried but <laughs> sometimes that's not enough <laughs> if you if somebody if one person turns off on a set piece and doesn't follow their runner <laughs> that's an uneasy you know open header um and that's what it was but I think we're going to find the Richmond can figure out a way to get a goal at home mm-hmm. and Harrisburg is going to try to defend really well and try really hard. I think those are trends that we can, we can expect to see for the rest of the season. Safe bet. Yeah. And our Richmond definitely, as long as they can at least scrap by with one goal, one nil win still count as the rest of us, maybe not in goal difference. And I will just say that Aaron Wheeler had a chance at the 13th minute on a PK, and he just took it down the middle, which was Travis Juarez's save just immediately. So it seemed like that was their best chance of the game, and going down the middle for a PK just seems like an odd choice. Yeah, hopefully we don't see him (laughs) taking Mm -hmm. the next one. I mean, he did play center back for a little bit, so it's it's a very that was a very center backian penalty. 
Also, congratulations to, to Richmond for 8,021 people. Um, highest opening attendance. Um, so, yeah, like, like thank you to all the people out in the Valley uh, for supporting your, your local soccer team there. Um, the Tifa they have was really cool. I liked it. I was into it. I don't. I think we need more TIFO and smoke bombs and stuff like that in USL. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, no, it was good. It was good. They, and it was correct and done well. Yeah, it was everything, like, because when, when they were like, oh, they have a TIFO, I was like, it's not going to, there's something's going to happen. And <laughs> it, it didn't, luck, luckily. Um, yeah, so that was like good. Like the dog pound uh, sign from Cleveland earlier this NFL yes, year? Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That is immediately what I think of. Uh, for that game, we were all wrong again. Um, <laughs> yeah. I I did have the two one. I had Richmond by a goal, so I, I get a I get a point for that one. I had them at two one. Uh, and then Ryan had him at one one, and Brendan had him at three one. So uh, I, in fact, do not have. I have one point this week. <laughs> um. Anyway. Next we had, let's see here. Uh, oh, oh yeah, this is a big one. Uh, Charleston two, FC Cincinnati one. Uh, surprising, I, I think is is the word. Um, yeah, I mean, I really thought that Cincinnati was going to be more put together at this point. Mm. Um, I didn't think um, there was going to be. That it would it would take a while for Cincinnati to get firing. Um, feel like they made some deals pretty early in the preseason, and they got guys in the camp. Obviously, they didn't get everybody <laughs> that they're planning on using this season right. in the camp. Yeah. But um, they, I mean, even in the, at the the latter parts of the second half, um, they, after they made all three subs, I mean, they they were attack minded attack minded subs, and they just couldn't you know make anything happen on the field. Um, I feel like Charleston should have had more than just the two. Yeah, I mean, they had a high percentage of their shots were in the box. I mean, 14 of 17 is really difficult to argue against with eight on target. And, I mean, I'll play the devil's advocate here and say I think Charleston has really had FC Cincinnati's number. I mean, they did in the last round of the playoffs. They did in last year's season opener, which was a 1-0 victory there and 2-1 here. I still think it points out that Cincinnati still has a bit of a ways to go, but, I mean, playoffs for sure, and definitely props Charleston for being a, a strong club right out of the gate right there. Yeah. Um, if I'm Charleston the day after, I'm I'm really upset, actually. Uh, you know, 14 of 17 shots were in the box. Probably could have gotten three or four off of that. Um, but the, and that's, you know, that's a minor thing. It's the first week. Um, the, the big one though, I lost the possession battle by about 20%. Uh, FC Cincinnati had the ball just under, under 60% of the time. I only had the ball 40% of the time. Um, that's not promising. I know that Cincinnati is not your, your typical USL team, but, um, I want to see more of the ball than that if I'm Charleston because mm-hmm. I can make it count if 14 of my 17 shots are in the box. That means when I get possession, it matters, but I want 
more possessions so I can make it matter more. If that makes sense. Yeah, um, I say it was. I thought it was kind of odd that the uh, the Cincinnati defender that gave away the the foul for the penalty didn't mm. get a card, which seems really mm-hmm. weird. It was a clumsy challenge from behind in the box. <laughs> like, wasn't even a yeah. yellow card. Yeah, but I feel like any. Is that nobody knows how to take penalties in the USL anymore. Apparently uh, not. Yeah. Portillo missed his pen and then got the rebound. Um, Herzog did the same thing, right? Uh, yeah, he yeah, missed yeah. his pen and got the uh, rebound. Ro- Rostov, yeah. I think, was the only one that committed. Yeah, he was the only one that converted. Finished yeah. It. yeah, yeah. Yeah, that was weird. <laughs> um our predictions for Charleston. Actually, this was where we were the closest to being right uh, as a whole. Um, Ryan had it dead on at 2-1. Brendan had him at a one-goal win. And then I had Cincinnati 2-0. So uh, you guys were both close enough, uh, if not completely on it, and I was uh, I was mistaken. Um, Tampa Bay and OCB... <laughs> Another one. Oh, God. Not how we thought it was gonna go. Yeah, I mean, guys, Tampa Bay didn't like look that good for compared to everyone's expectations. Yeah, I mean, but, it kind of depends on what stats you're looking at. I mean, they dominated shots. Oh, is it they had? Sure. Was that 21, 21 to three? Um, yeah, twenty-one shots. But that one goal was off of a PK, and they didn't score off of 21 attempts. Yeah. Right, right. Um, but, yeah, they had 21 shots, but only five of them were on target. So I don't know if all the shots are just from, from range or they're just awful at shooting. Um, but I think bit of both. everything everything else seemed to be working except the final third for Tampa. Yeah. Um, sorry, Tampa Bay. So I think that might be something that's more easily fixable than you know, having to readjust your defensive midfielder or your fullbacks because your center backs are exposed. I mean, the game was Tampa Bay's to lose. Um, mm-hmm. But, yeah, I mean, I, I think everybody was expecting them to drop a couple more on them. Yeah, I mean, that was my expectation going into the match. I mean, out of Orlando's shots, it, all of them were outside the box, and it just seemed like they could have done a bit more with what they were given. Um, yeah, just want to point out that Orlando didn't get a single shot inside the box. So it wasn't so much of a stalemate as just the Rowdies couldn't get it together. Yeah, I, w- I will say I had a prediction for this year that um, Georgie Herstoff and Corey Hartzog would be a really interesting offensive battle to watch. I mean, both currently lead the Eastern Conference with six shots in each got a goal in their opening game, albeit one of them was off of a PK, but it would be interesting. I think these two could definitely be in at least top five for Golden Boot. So I, I think it's funny that you bring up those two guys because I think a lot of the reason for, for each of their successes right now comes from the, the guy that's that's feeding them the balls. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, they are the lone strikers at t- up top. Right. So, so Michael Manchoff uh, of Tampa Bay – it looks like the real deal after one week. Uh, seven chances created, which is which is key passes plus assists. So, um, 
Uh, and then uh, out in Pittsburgh, um, Kerr, who's a who's kind yeah. of a converted forward, um, is the guy who's going to be knocking down a lot of those balls for Herzog to to try to find something with. So um, it'll be interesting to see, you know, pretty much what it what it'll come down to with with Herzog and uh, and Georgie is who's the more clinical finisher. I, th- I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and that and yeah, that should be really fun to watch. In their penalty form, um, right? <laughs> Rostov wins. Uh, anyway, yeah. and then the uh, oh, our our predictions for those three-one uh, rowdies for me, Ryan. You put two-one Tampa, and Brendan, you had three-nothing Tampa. So, <laughs> also missed the mark on that one. And speaking of missing the mark, Phoenix Rising, in <laughs> fact, did not beat Toronto FC. Um, who uh, who went down to uh, the greater Phoenix area and ruined uh, the opening party um, for Phoenix Rising to the score of one nothing. Um, Phoenix doubled the shots, fourteen to seven. Um, two on goal for both. Toronto led possession, fifty one forty nine. The goal was from Ryan Telfer in the sixth minute. Uh, guys, this is not how we thought this was gonna go, at, like at all. Not yeah. at all. Um, <laughs> I'll, I'll say that when yes. I saw the graphic, the lineup graphic come out for Phoenix Rising, I thought that whoever made the graphic had messed up, that they had just put a bunch of players in the wrong spot. I thought it was but like a nope. New York City kind of thing. Um, it was the coach who messed up and put a bunch of players in the wrong spot. So... The, the, yeah. like the most recognizable wingers <laughs> in the world in Sean Ray Phillips and you put him in the middle where he gets exposed for having um, a sloppy first touch every pass he tries and, to receive and no speed yeah there's no space for him to utilize the thing that he's good at which is pushing the ball in front of him and running fast right um, yeah. or crossing like <laughs> what are the things that our best player is best at let's neutralize all of his <laughs> let's let's make him do none of those um, I will say that uh, the guy who scored for Toronto is a rookie for TFC too, <clears throat> but he's not necessarily what you would think of as a rookie. Sorry. Sure. <clears throat> so he's not like some 17-year-old kid who came up through the academy. I mean, this dude, he played some professional soccer, then went to college for four years um, mm-hmm. uh, at the University of York, and he's a 23-year-old rookie, so he's, he's like an MLS rookie. So um, I didn't know who he was. And when they said rookie, I was I was in, uh, intrigued, but you know, um, we shouldn't be surprised if he pops up with a with a few more goals this year. Yeah, yeah, he was very good in this match, and to strike so early for, for Toronto was key to just kind of neutralize the crowd for Phoenix. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh... Maybe Drogbo solve all their problems? <laughs> Maybe? I, I don't know. I'm curious if the Drogba legend banner is going to make its way to Phoenix. It, like it, it has did to. Montreal. It has to. <laughs> yeah. uh, anyway, j- just because I said it wasn't close to what we thought it was going to be, and in the interest of making <laughs> us look bad before we proceed to do this again uh, immediately after... Um, I'll go from like least offensive to, to most offensive. Uh, Ryan, you put three nothing for for Phoenix. Brendan, you put four nothing with a Bravo hat trick. 
I, 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 in fact, got incredibly overzealous and put 5 nothing for Phoenix with a SWP hat trick. We were all so very wrong. Um, yeah, I mean, Toronto may low-key be a potentially really dangerous club out here in the East. Might be. Potentially, yeah. one, of the, potentially a, one of the more improved clubs for MLS suicides. Mm, mm-hmm. Yeah, uh... That being said, uh, gentlemen, let's get into it uh, next week. And by that, I mean uh, a day and a half-ish from now. Uh, It will be uh, Orlando City B versus Louisville. Uh, Guys, how how are we feeling about this one? Um, I think Orlando would want to bounce back from their terrible showing um, (laughs) last weekend. Yeah. But I think Louisville as well. Uh, if they just can't get their offense going, um, think this one is going to be scoreless. Mm. Mm. Nil nil for Brennan. Okay. Um, yeah, I, it's like neither of these teams looked horribly impressive last week. If I'm if I'm going to be kind of nice. Um, Yeah, I, uh, man, and like St. Louis was a foul factory. If anything, I'll go with Orlando City, uh, one nothing. I think that's safe. I really, I don't see Louisville City getting it to click just yet. Um, and I think Orlando City can capitalize on some of those sloppy fouls on set pieces. Yeah, Orlando opens up their, or at least their stint in the new stadium which has by far one of the coolest factors with the wall on the camera left side of you're watching it on any broadcast yes but i'm gonna still have to i keep pointing back to louisville had so many shots in that first one and this is a very similar team to the one that beat or the tampa team that beat orlando Mm. and i still feel like out of 21 shots it's statistically likely one of them will find the back of the net even if it's a pk so I'm going to go 1 0 Louisville. Okay. Uh, I'm going to save the one that I put next on the sheet because I know that's the one we're going to talk about the most, just given it's <laughs> here. Uh, New York Red Bull 2 versus Richmond Kickers. Uh, this this is a tricky one. Um Just because I, I really like Red Bull 2's French connection, but I also think. If you give Richmond a bunch of chances close to their goal on set pieces, they're going to make them count. Um, oh, man. I, uh, I'll go I'll go with 2-2 here. No, I won't. No, it's, it's too high. <laughs> uh, I'll go with 2-1 uh, in favor of, of the uh, rough ball playing uh, Red Bull 2 team. Yeah, so I'm going to go the other way. Um, okay. Red Bull's MLS team has an away game in Houston um, the same day. So they're going to grab any fringe players, which would you know probably be the best, the better players on um, Red Bull's two-player pool. Uh, I think they're going to yeah. be a little bit shorthanded again. Um, and I mean, Richmond just knows what they're doing. They have a plan. Mm-hmm. Uh, 2-1, Richmond. Okay. 
other than the match what I'm looking forward to most is now that with all the USL stat pages they list the attendance on top of it so I'm curious Ooh. how honest they're going to be about the Red Bulls <laughs> 2 home opener I will let you know after this weekend yeah, how no. that works. it's interesting <laughs> if they're going to be honest that if it's going to be in triple digits or if they're going to pad the stats as you will but yeah, I guess I'll split the difference between you guys and I'll go with 1-1 one, one. Ryan picking the draws. Love it. Uh, next, we have the uh, the Pittsburgh Riverhounds versus FC Cincinnati. Um, I think uh, the one thing you want to do if you're a team whose offense isn't firing in all cylinders is to play a team with a def- defense as awful as Pittsburgh. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, um, I think Cincinnati's got this one, 3-1. You, uh, you, you took my talking point. I was going to say, for a team that didn't um, figure out how to put the ball in the back of the net last week <laughs> in <laughs> Cincinnati, um, I think playing a team that just gave up three goals and conceded five yellow cards and gave up, like, 14 fouls uh, is, you know, chicken noodle soup for the goal scorer's soul, in a way. Um now, that being said, I, I still think they're way too top-heavy in terms of forwards. So, yeah. you know, is the thought process out in Cincy, well, do we, do we try another set? You know, do we have uh, Dakers come in and start this week? So, uh, you know, they might slip up there. That being said, um, I think Corey Herzog's too good not to get a goal. Uh, I, I will... Uh, Oh, I'm actually just going to take your pick. I'm going to have 3-1 Cincinnati as well. <laughs> I know. Oh, okay. All right. And that would be a perfect sweep then, I guess, Ryan. Yeah, I think it's it's interesting <laughs> with Pittsburgh. I mean, they did give up three goals, 14 shots, and had that many fouls, or 16 fouls, and all five yellow cards for the yes. match. It's going to be yeah. difficult to argue that they're sound defensively there, and I still think Cincinnati should at least bounce back from this. They did prove they were able to at least score one with um, Fall. Yep. And not getting that one goal in the 59th against Charleston. But, yeah, I'll, I'll agree with you, Evan. I'll go 3-1 Cincinnati. All right. So uh, everyone knows what to do on that one. Just 3-1 Cincy win would be uh, hilarious and amazing. Um the Charlotte Independents, I have them down as indie because Char doesn't really work out well when you're playing the Charleston Battery. Um, what if they play in D11? Charlotte Independents, and uh, yeah, right. Well, that was yeah. Uh, Charleston Independents. Oh wow, new club. <laughs> Charlotte Independents playing the Charleston Battery. Uh, another tricky one. Ryan, I guess I'll, I'll, I'll have you start it off because you, you haven't yet. Yeah, it's uh, OB, I believe, the first one of the Southern Derby, which is now just down to two clubs. Yes. <laughs> so, what happened to the third one again? I don't remember. They're not in the league anymore. Oh, right, right. Beside yeah. the point. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think Charleston definitely showed that they're an attacking prowess from last week's game, but Charlotte also did a lot of building up within the offseason and shown from last year they did well and they were very consistent side, so I'll go with a rather exciting 2-2 draw. Hey. Um, Picking the draws again. 
Uh, you love yourself a good draw. Um, I I will say uh, I'm kind of excited to see what their what their new kid does. The uh, the D3 player of the year. If only because I have a soft spot in my heart for Division Three soccer players. Hi, Richie Marcos. Um, and then like the battery. They're they're a solid defensive team. Uh, they're not a Rochester in terms of how organized and stupid hard they are to break down, but uh, they're not too far off of that. Well, um, look pretty great when your center backs never get called for fouls. Um. This is also <laughs> true. Yeah, um, mm, that's true. Uh, I I'm gonna go one one draw here. Uh-huh. I'm join the Ryan Allen draw appreciation club. And, uh, <laughs> One one, Brenda. Yeah, I don't really know much about the the Charlotte team, um, but I think uh, Charleston does have something going forward, and I don't I wouldn't say they're necessarily vulnerable at the back this year, um, but I don't know. I don't want to say a draw, um, and Michael Chang is going to get a goal and an assist for Charleston, so I, mm. I guess that means Charlotte needs three. Charlotte's going to win at home three two. All right. Uh, two more, and then the the main attraction of the weekend: uh, Tampa Bay <laughs> and Toronto FC. Two. Uh, I, I think Tampa Bay figures it out this week. I think Leo Fernandez somehow convinces people he's a really good USL player and scores a goal or something. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll go with uh, with Tampa three nothing. Yeah, I think it's unfortunate for. Toronto um, to have to make their two longest road trips. I guess I don't know if they go to Vancouver, but two of their longest uh, road trips right at the beginning of the season. Um, And I don't think they'll be able to carry on um, positive momentum from their season opening win. I think Tampa Bay just has too much too much firepower. Um, So 2-1 for Tampa Bay. And before any of the the Toronto FC um, fans get on us for for thinking they're not going to have enough in the tank just to give a counter to that we also said that last week when they had to make a really long road trip to phoenix (laughs) and we completely discredited their team and 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 just said there was no chance they get anything out of phoenix and they did so um you know pressure's on you now ryan to to determine how people react to our burial of toronto fc2 well, I was just going through the schedule. It doesn't look like they play Vancouver. So this will be their second longest road trip of the year. And I still think they built a lot of momentum as getting in their shot tally nearly doubled for that match isn't ideal, but they still managed to get a 1-0 victory. I mean, if they can strike early like they did with Telford's goal in the sixth minute, mm. and that'll be key. But I still think Tampa playing at home, they're going to figure it out. They had 21 shots last week. It's, it goes back to Louisville. It's unlikely that only one of them would find the back of the net. And I, I'll go with 2-1, but it's going to be hard fought from Toronto. 2-1, Tampa winning. <laughs> I was going to say. Yeah. Um, just one more quick thing on Toronto. Um, sure. They put out a story this week up. It was a, an, uh, an extended interview with head coach Jason Bent about how, you know, they're confident that this year they finally have the right pieces. They know, you know, the formula they want for the roster. They know, like, what, you know, the mentality they want to target and their goals. 
Um, and that's, that's something that I've been really interested in seeing the, the give and take and trying to find the perfect balance for each club with its mm. uh, USL reserve side. Um, Toronto is saying that they figured it out. Uh, when, when I interviewed Jason Benton this time last year, uh, he said the same thing. So yeah. I don't know. You know, you take that with a grain of salt, but um, they would know better than I do. Last game before our main event of the weekend, uh, Ottawa against St. Louis in a, a battle of, of newcomers, sort of. Uh, Ottawa for sure. The Eastern Conference at least. And uh, St. Louis coming back to the East. Um, I don't know. Former Rochester Rhino starting forward slugfest. <laughs> there you go. And Santos with a hat trick each. Okay. Wow, are you are you are you willing to lock that in, or is that just a comment? Uh, that is my final answer. answer. All right, so three three is. <laughs> um, I think uh, Ottawa's at home, right? Uh, St. Louis. St. Louis uh, throws me off a little bit. Um, all right, I wasn't gonna go with like a three-one Ottawa win, but now that the, I know they're away, I think St. Louis plays them well at home. But I, I think Ottawa just has a little bit too much in the bag for them. I'm gonna go two-one Fury. Um, again, they didn't make Tampa Bay moves, but they made really smart USL moves, and I think that's enough um, against the St. Louis team, who I think is also uh, gonna be very capable. But I, I think they're gonna take a little bit longer to get uh, the ball rolling. If, if you will. <laughs> um, it's interesting. I mean, Ottawa just has a lot of unknowns throughout the year. I mean, Evan, like you said, they made a ton of really good USL moves. And, and I, I should, still think... I should say that they're really good on paper. Yeah, on paper. Because we don't... We, like, we don't know yet. And that's, that's where there's such a tricky team to try to figure out. Yeah, of course. I mean... I mean, we saw last week with St. Louis, it took them a while before any offensive mentality was installed. Three shots, Precky can't be happy with that. And even playing at home, I think that benefits them. I'll have to go with Ottawa 2-1. Yeah, um, I think it might come down to on-field leadership, which would be fun. It'll be Lance Roosevelt, captain of um, Ottawa Fury used to play for Austin and Rochester. I think he was drafted by DC way back when. And then the captain for St. Louis was Ivan Merkovic, who played under Brecky at Sacramento. And just, I don't know. He has a mission to injure people's shins. Um, <laughs> so it might come down to just, uh, you know, grit and determination and all that stuff. Is it too early to call this the Rochester Rhinos alumni game? No. Not at all. <laughs> the X Rhinos Derby. Yeah. Um, <laughs> definitely got to tug at the heartstrings. Mm, mm. Uh, and now we're here. <laughs> Main event. The, the big one. The we're completely biased, but we don't care because it's your, it's because it's, it's our show. Damn it. I mean, also, uh, the, friendships will depend on what answer Ryan gives. Also, Oh, yeah, yeah, uh, it's true. <laughs> well, uh, if Ryan, I say I'm draw, I'm not going to be wrong. Uh, I don't know. I, anyway, I, I may be wrong anyway. Bethlehem Steel, 
kick off their USL season from Murray H. Goodman Stadium on the campus of Lehigh University. It's like I've been there. Against the <laughs> Rochester Rhinos on Saturday at 4, I believe. Yes. Uh, Brennan, you, you wrote about this. I, I'm, uh, I'm a little bit later on my, on my uh, previews, so uh, mine will be up tomorrow, which is Thursday. Um, there's a ton of ex-union guys and ex, well, ex-union umbrella of teams guys right. uh, that love playing against union affiliates. Um, that being said, I think this steel team is going to be really fun to watch and not even because I'm the guy that has to do that every week. Yeah. They're younger. They got Hugh Roberts, who's a defenseman of the year. Um, I, and I don't know how to call this game. Yeah, I mean, what was that? Last year there was two draws. Um, yes. And, uh, I mean, it kind of looks like that's how it's going to go this year. Um, in that game in Rochester, um, Joe Farrell scored early, um, and then the team kind of played all, like um, garbage. And then Joe Farrell scored in the fourth minute of five minutes of stoppage time or something. Um, and yes. Joe Farrell is one of the several players who used to play for the Union Academy. I think it's five players who at one point played for either the Union Development Academy or Union-affiliated development academies before the Union officially joined and all that. There's a guy in Reading, too. Murky details. And then, mm -hmm. yeah, one other guy who played for the first team once. Yep. And yep. another guy who played for their PDL team. Yep. Um so, I mean, it worked out really well for Rochester last year. Joe Farrell definitely had, um, you know, a fire under his uh, feet. And uh, hopefully that that carries over not only for Farrell, but for, you know, all the other players who, you know, mm -hmm. once got overlooked by the greater Philadelphia Union soccer organization. Mm. <laughs> mm. Um, yeah, I, for, for Bethlehem, I, th I think you're looking for two things. Um, who they start in goal is going to be interesting. I, I think it's going to be uh, Jake McGuire. Um, that's, so, and, and the weird thing is the Union are away, but they're in D.C. So it's not inconceivable that, that what they like to do is they like to, to have a 48-hour window in terms of here's who we're sending to you guys um, in Bethlehem. So I, I think McGuire starts in that. I think the defense around him got better just because uh, Hugh Roberts is going to be there. I hope mm -hmm. Austin Trusty plays. I, I'm not terribly sure um, that that's going to be a thing, just depending on who they think needs minutes and, and all that stuff for the first team. So it's a little hard for me to give, like, an accurate starting 11. Um, but really, more than anything else, how this game goes depends on what – Jamaican international Corey Burke decides to do mm -hmm. um, because when he's on he has the potential to be the best striker in USL uh, when he's off he completely disappears so that being said I think I think it'll be uh, it'll be a 2 nothing for Bethlehem but it's it's not going to be a very pretty game uh, I mean most games that involve Rochester aren't going to be pretty um, yeah that's I think. yeah uh, I wrote a piece earlier um, 
on Ben Musket about how signing Jalen Brown gives the team options in attack because Jalen Brown is a very direct player on the left wing. He's right-footed, so he's looking to, to, to cut in and take guys on. Um, and he's, he can be very effective when he's on his game. Um, and Cristiano Francois, who's another former un, uh, Union Academy uh-huh. player, um, is just lights out like one of the fastest players I've ever seen. Um, and Darius Madison, another former Union player. Very familiar uh, with Darius. Um, he is also very quick. He plays up top. Mm-hmm. He didn't quite time his runs in preseason, but um, hopefully they worked on that because this is going to be a lot of Rochester absorbing possession. They have options in attack, but I'm not sure how aggressively they're going to line up. Um, sure. First game of the year on the road against an unknown quantity um, in safe bet is that Bob's going to play defensively, absorb pressure, mm-hmm. and, and counterattack with speed um, from Francois and Madison. But yeah, I mean, as boring as this is, I think it's going to end up being a 2-2 draw. Mm. I'd be okay with I that, I think everybody's going to say a draw, just <laughs> so we can <laughs> stay friends. <laughs> uh, no, so it's it's funny, just a little caveat. Um, I guess that was uh, that was two weeks ago now, or maybe two and a half. Uh, Bethlehem played Harrisburg uh, at like noon, and then Notre Dame at two. And uh, I asked, I asked Bethlehem head coach Brendan Burke after the match, you know, kind of his overall thoughts on the day. And he went, "Oh, you know, it's, it's a, uh, I'm really fortunate we got to play Notre Dame um, because the way they play and the way they're set up is like Rochester, but the Rochester game is going to be like this on steroids." And, like, that was his – I mean, he the said that Bob Lilly coaches a very <laughs> compact team, and he, and he really, you know, not, not word for word, but he admires what Bob Lilly does. Um, and I think throughout the league that's a very consistent statement, is that Bob Lilly knows what he wants. It's not the prettiest soccer in the world, but it's, it's damn effective. Um, and I think that's what makes playing Rochester, regardless of where you are, just kind of a daunting task. Um, right. And, and even, you know, even if you win, it's going to take so much out of you. Right. That's the thing. Um, and I, I thought it was a really good move for you guys to sign Darius Madison, because the only thing that I think is a big question mark for him, granted he was in college when this happened, was uh, he was playing for, for University of Maryland uh, College Park. Um, and was uh, was dismissed from that program for reasons either either Maryland or Virginia. Was, I think it was yeah, Virginia. Now that I think about he it, he was at Virginia. And yeah, it was and then once two to, weeks before preseason camp started for his right. senior year, and he got kicked off the team, so he scrambled and wound up at UMBC. That's why. I, okay. Close, close, close. Yeah. Uh, if you can keep him in check, I think he's very dangerous, and I actually <laughs> I quite like him as a player. Um, right. Anyway, I mean, if there's if there's going to be a situation that tests his discipline, it might right. be going up against the Philadelphia Union reserve team. Yeah, uh, that's a fair point. So I'm it's trying to be think. Goal and assist and a red card. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, uh, I, I was trying to think, and this requires too much time for me to even justify trying to do this right now. But I, I was trying to think if he has any overlap with any of those guys that are on Bethlehem's coaching staff. Um. Probably does, but I, I don't. Again, that's not. I don't have enough time for that. We've also given Ryan enough time to figure out who he'd like to continue talking to come Sunday morning. Uh, 
So, uh, Ryan, no pressure, but uh, remember how you got here. <laughs> and don't say Kyle Kepner to back out of it. <laughs> yeah, it's... I'd say all matches are interesting, but mm-hmm. and this one just for podcasting sakes. Mm-hmm. Um, both starting the year with uh, at least a tough outing. I mean, Rochester traveling on the road and Bethlehem was a really good bubble team last year. But from both of your arguments you guys have made this year, it, it sounds like it will be <laughs> at least a slugfest. And I'm going to have to go with a 1-1 result. And this picture will not be replayed until October 10th at the end of the year, so it may be a very well different situation when we revisit this scheduling. The very diplomatic answer, <laughs> much to my chagrin, I suppose, but I'll, I'll allow it. That being said, Ryan, before I kick you off this podcast forever, if <laughs> if, uh, if that draw doesn't happen or Bethlehem doesn't win, where can people find you on Twitter? And uh, I'd also, like, maybe tell me the airport code for Wilmington, but, like, only because if that draw doesn't happen, I'm going to have to come down there and have a word. <laughs> yeah, I, you guys can find me on Twitter at ILM underscore Ryan. ILM is the airport abbreviation code for Wilmington. And you guys okay, can cool. also find me riding for Indomitable City Soccer. Hey, Josh. Yeah. Hey, Kyle. Also under the tag of ILM or at ILM underscore Ryan. Um, Brendan, uh, where can people go to read your, your match preview, which I already have? Uh, it was it was quite good. Um but also, like, where can Louisville City fans find you, or where can I go to block you on Twitter on <laughs> Sunday after uh, after Rochester leave Bethlehem? Yeah, so if you want to follow, berate, or block me on Twitter, the handle is oh. Doherty Soccer, D-O-H-E-R-T-Y Soccer, and um, the match preview is up at the Bent Musket. Um... And I don't. Did I say anything bad about Louisville? Just that their team is awful, and they <laughs> never deserve to. Win. I was gonna say. I think this week you were very. Um, I I didn't hear anything, so that's exciting. Um, that being said, if you'd like to uh, if you'd like to follow this podcast on Twitter uh, and join the other eighty six people that have, which blows my mind a little bit. Um, I'm so sorry, you guys like actively listen to this every week. That's got to be weird. Um, I'm flattered and a little bit concerned about how much free time everybody has Um, at ECC pod easy as that that's six letters I made it that way so you can find it Uh, we're also we also have a a gmail account that someone should use or else I'm going to cry it's it's ECC mailbag at gmail.com that would be great Uh, elsewhere if you'd like to follow me or, or tweet at me and tell me how bad you think I do as a, as a host of a podcast and just in general in life, uh, which are both very valid. Um, at Valella, it's V as in Victor, I-L-L-E-L-L-A, B-S-F-C, like, like Bethlehem Steel Football Club, that's why I put it there. Um, or uh, you can also hang out. Uh, I, tweet, I tweet matches from at Brotherly Game. That's where you can find me on match day. I'll be hanging out there. It's a good time. Uh, I like a lot of the people that I write with, and they have control over that account, too. 
Um, so maybe give that a follow. Uh, or if not, uh, you can follow me uh, and my writing on, uh, on Brotherly Game, which is an affiliate and a sister site of Bent Musket, and to a lesser extent, but we still love you all the same, uh, Indomitable City Soccer. That being said, this has been episode 13 of your favorite, the only, and uh, the, the most liked and least liked podcast about the Eastern Conference of the United Soccer League, uh, ECC, Eastern Conference Confidential. Find us on, on BGN.FM is the easiest place. That stuff goes up, like, immediately. Uh, also on Stitcher, also on iTunes, also on Google Play Podcast, if anybody has that. I own an Android, and I don't have it. So, because, <laughs> um, like, it was in beta, and now I don't know what happened to it, and I'm kind of interested, but at the same time, like, everything I listen to is on Stitcher, so I don't really, or Spotify, so I don't really need it. Um, terrible advert for, for Google Play Podcast, but uh, we're not there, so it doesn't really matter. Anyway, until next week, where two of us are on the podcast, or maybe just me. I don't know. <laughs> It'll probably just be me. Uh, Evan Blella, on behalf of, uh, of, of Ryan Allen and Brenda Doherty, and you guys have a, uh, a great week. <laughs>